Hello, everybody. Welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. Uh, this is not a live show that we're not in a hostel, but we are in New York, and I'm so glad we're not in a hostel. No offense, people in a hostel, but you need to get out and explore the city. Uh, we're with someone that uh, is very impressive to me, and I feel very weak and small around him, so I'm not looking at him at all right now. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, I'm just a guy. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Thanks, buddy. We're with Kevin. Kevin. Hello. Kevin Allison. It's good to be here. <laughs> you brought us here, actually. <laughs> Kevin Allison from the state. Kevin Allison from Risk. Kevin Allison is figuring out a way to make money doing what I want to do. How did that come about? Well, it came about from about 13 years of making no money at all. And finally getting to the point where I felt like, you know what? Screw it. I'm, I'm going to, since I've never made any money at all, uh, I might as well just start doing, you know, sticking to my guns and doing what I love and not worrying about health insurance and dental and everything else. Do you have health insurance now? Uh, well, I actually have health insurance for uh, until maybe next October or, yeah, well, for a while because uh, I'm still married. Oh. Uh, yeah, my husband and I are remaining married uh, for a while so that I can remain on health insurance so you have the life of an immigrant right now yeah exactly exactly we don't we, we're we're not together but he's charitably letting us remain married for the health insurance what does he think of the show the show being risk oh he likes it he actually listened to to my knowledge he listened to the one where i went to provincetown and kind of got crushed by a Vietnamese boy, and he said he, he he said he was very impressed by it. I mean, he's heard me talk, he's heard me mention him on the podcast. Yeah, I, I avoid just because it's you know such an intimate relationship. I avoid saying anything negative about him. Okay, but I have talked about the fact that the two of us had an open relationship. Yeah. Um, but do you, I'm assuming you don't know uh, the ins and outs of his openness, of his open relationship, and he probably knows a lot more about what happened on your end. Uh, that, that would be true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, to, toward the end, you know, this probably happens to a lot of people with open relationships, uh, just in the same way that, that closed marriages start to fall apart. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the rules... Of the you know okay. like the, the rules were we can, we can sleep with other people but not date other people and the rules started to break down <laughs> in the very end. So. And so your your husband is Jello Trulio. Is that, <laughs> is that, am I right? that is exactly right. Yeah, Actually, okay. uh, we Joe. I talked on Mark Maron's podcast about how I first got into the state yeah. because I was so attracted to Joe. Really, I, that is so shocking that that's Joe? the guy. Yeah, yeah you what? didn't hear that episode. It was no, like. I didn't. We were all shocked that that's the one. I'm not saying Joe's an ugly man, but not come Marino? on. <laughs> yeah, not oh, Ken. No, 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 uh, no, no. no. He's See, a handsome man. He yeah, handsome man. no, I never go for like the classically handsome guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's more interesting the little guys who are a little peculiar. <laughs> what do you think of Adam? Adam is here as well. How peculiar. Little peculiar, <laughs> just my time. Okay, good. Thank you. I'll, my friends and I are going to be really excited about that. <laughs> So a lot of people probably uh, that, that subscribe to your podcast probably don't even know about the state. 
Yes, that is true. That is true. I mean, it's been extremely exciting to see the number of people who are like, oh, you also did what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it seems like uh, we're in this weird storytelling renaissance thanks to things like The Moth and everything. And I started doing zine readings like 10, 12 years ago, and there was no one there. And that kind of made it better, and we thought it was like our own thing. And now that there's all this success, and people, like, people don't like... Uh, they don't smell like shit anymore when you go to a reading. You know what I mean? Like people are using deodorant and yeah, they have like it's fucked up. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'll give you, I'll donate to your thing. Like I don't need to buy a stapled zine. How long have you been doing storytelling? Is what I'm getting at. You know, the inter- the state always had a work ethic philosophy, which is let's learn by by falling on our faces in front of people. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when we started doing sketch comedy, we'd never taken a class in comedy or scene writing yeah. or anything. Uh, when the guys started Reno 911, they were like, let's learn how to do improv by doing it on national television. Okay. Never took a class. Yeah. So risk is this, the exact same thing. People are like, when did you start telling s- stories? And mm-hmm. I'm like, when I started producing this podcast. Fair enough. <laughs> but aren't you teaching right now? Aren't you teaching mm-hmm. storytelling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shortly after I started risk, I approached... The People's Improv Theater, and I was like, look, people like this show. Maybe I should start teaching it, even though I was only a couple months in. And the process of teaching, I'm I'm a little bit embarrassed to say it sometimes. Okay. Not embarrassed, but I'm a little worried to say it sometimes because fans might be like, what? Uh, Is, I think, my favorite thing. Teaching is your favorite thing. Yeah, yeah, because it's such like an honor to have people share their stuff with you. Um, is it or is it really annoying, too? Is it becoming no, therapy no, no, for no, people? No. Well, I'll tell you. Showalter is teaching, too, right? Showalter also loves teaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're guys that love to hear ourselves talk, too. <laughs> yeah, but Showalter, isn't he teaching film? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He teaches more abstract stuff. like Of uh, course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you could you could actually give people uh, tangible advice. Yes, exactly. I I actually teach, the storytelling that I teach is very practical. I really do start off telling you like five beats to work your way Mm -hmm. through and, you know, like very tangible advice on how to bring a scene alive and all that kind of stuff. But I always say there's a grain of salt to take with that. I always say, look, the first time you do anything, Mm -hmm. tell a story, write a sketch, just let it come out. You know, it's, okay. it's, it's when you look back at like your first draft or whatever that you're like, oh, I should maybe think about how people usually do that sort okay. of thing. Yeah. Can I ask a. Um, oh, this is Peter Heineman, by the way, he's producer of the show. Yeah, well, hey. You back. don't need to wave because there's no I'm one. I'm waving at the computer. He's waiting for the computer. Uh, if, <laughs> hello, computer. Um, uh, if you. Um, how would you describe like the difference between. Like it. I feel like your show's really different from something like The Moth, or yeah. at least like you know, markedly different. Like, is there like when you're teaching? How does like how does that come out? Well, you know, one thing that I do know about The Moth is that I have been told by people who have done their main stage show that they meet with producers about five times before getting up to tell their stories, and you can kind of tell because. There are certain formulaic things that pop up a lot in moth stories, whereas with risk, a lot of the joy we take is when people like, you know, when you can tell someone says something where they're like, oh, God, I wish I hadn't said that just then, and now we're moving on. Have you published or published? Have you uh, put anything in the feed that has been pulled uh, by request? 
yes. Uh, one was simply because of a contractual thing. Jenny Slate uh, had a contract with uh, NBC and SNL. And Wait, I heard that one. Is that no longer up? Well, she's no longer with SNL. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so we were able to go back and say, can we... Beef. Yeah. Um, but there have been other cases. Uh, there was a, a story we put out where... A, a story from the New York Times... No, Florida Times was quoted about a guy who was a, a convicted rapist. Ooh. And his family got in touch with us. And it was weird. It was a purely emotional thing where, where we were kind of being yelled at by this guy's brother uh-huh. and the storyteller was... Um, but they have no real grounds because it's like, well, we were quoting from the Florida Times. In in any case, I did remove the guy's last name okay. from from the story. Well, could we just assume that it's from Florida? So half the people there are probably also just convicted rapists. So if you just say James, it's like one of right, two exactly. James in Florida. Exactly. That's a, a very sea good point. Of, of convicted rapists. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to do a storytelling uh, tour in Florida? <laughs> sure let's see if we can meet up i find it interesting that sometimes you ask for like submissions from certain cities hoping to go there why do that i mean you're in new york city it's sup- everyone comes here for a reason mm-hmm. what's the point of you touring uh it's terribly difficult to get butts in seats in new york city well there, aren't you doing a show next week in la or this weekend in la yeah 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 but i don't i'm not there i'm oh, not present okay. so i'm kind of like pulling strings over there uh new and I, I would say it's the same thing with los angeles exactly so that why there uh because well in los angeles there's a, sh- a am i allowed to curse absolutely oh okay uh in i i'll refrain this you, time you, but later on you put out the show risk <laughs> why would i have you on though this is a christian talk show we're trying to hear, you know we're here to convert you in la there's a ton of talented people who can tell stories absolutely yeah uh in new york the same thing and there's an actual storytelling movement here in new york but the problem is Everyone and their brother is doing a show in both these cities. Mm-hmm. When we take the show anywhere else, it is like we're bringing manna from heaven. Where's your favorite city to do the show? Live, obviously. Uh, well, we had a heck of a fun time doing it at Brown University. So I think that we're going to have a lot of fun doing it at colleges. One, one thing we've learned is the show is perfect for going into a closed community. For example, you can bring a headliner... And then you can coach people in the community to tell their own story. Because when we did it at Brown, everyone was excited to see Michael Ian Black, but they were so excited to see people from their own, you know, their own professors mm-hmm. or students on campus sharing stories too. So I think we could do that with corporations, mm-hmm. anything. This seems to have a lot longer lifespan than sketch or improv or comedy in general. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I, comedy is dead. I, I, look, I look at like... like like you know, not I, I love Nick Swardson. He's a friend. I love Nick Swardson. Yes, Pretend Time is a great show. Exactly, I but you 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 begin to wonder like how long can people me and Nick's age be, be doing sketch comedy? <laughs> well, George Burns, he just kind of faded away. He didn't uh, die on stage at a hundred. Yeah, comedy. You can't possibly do comedy. It's actually. <laughs> The opposite. Um, the fact that you guys got success so young, when I say you guys, I mean the state. Yeah. That's the weird thing. It seems like everyone that has a show now is like 35 to 50 to 60, actually. Yeah. It seems like there's this weird renaissance where like, okay, the kids aren't funny yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it, it, 
and also, I was always hoping during the 13 years that nothing was happening with my career, I was hoping, geez, aren't some kids that liked my show in the 90s becoming executives yet? No, well, it didn't no, help that no, I couldn't. I, I was going to, but then I decided <laughs> to do podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> 20 people. Right. I yeah. knew the state more as a t shirt than as a television show for about five years. Yeah. Really? Considering I didn't have cable when your show was on air. Uh, Neither did I. I was directly in your demographic, and uh, there was no DVDs. I think yeah. that was the only problem with the state. And then ever since then, that's how we know you guys. Also, the fact that we left when MTV was about to be in 25 million more homes. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, so we, you made a mistake. Uh, the last year of our career, and no one from the group will allow me to tell the story on stage or on podcast or whatever. But the last year was uh, one titanic like bad decision after another oh everyone knows that story so, no, the, the, the cbs special story yeah the that, album story all that stories yeah we yeah we, we yeah, yeah yeah and, and i know no that's, we that, all everyone in the world knows I, everyone that knows you guys knows that i got I that's kind of why we like you <laughs> yeah, well I, I i told a, a big chunk of the story at at a risk live show a couple years a year ago and I sent it to members of the state saying, can I put this out on the podcast? And they were like, please, we don't want to drudge up old skeletons. And I'm like, this stuff is published. Everyone I know. knows this story. Anyone that listens to any like Comedy Bang Bang or your show knows that. Oh, whatever. Who is the worst person that you want to hang out with in the state? What's the, who's the one person that's like, I don't want to do this reunion. Like, this is too much. I'm going to go oh, with <laughs> David Wayne. Oh, no. David Damn it. Wayne is the biggest okay. sweetheart in the we world. Just can we just do, do this? Go down the list? Can you just tell us all, like, what, like, shit about everyone? Let's go down. Chevy Chase. Right? Right. Wasn't that one? Did you guys... He's a cunt. Chevy Chase is a cunt. Yay or nay? I've never met Chevy Chase, but from everything I've heard, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, did you guys ever think about trading uh, a la baseball? Like, I'll take a kid in the hall for a state... No, but everyone did when we started. Like, everyone was always trying to pull the group apart. You know? Really? Oh, yeah. Like, Ken Marino actually was offered something like $50,000 to leave the group before we were even on that You Wrote It, You Watch good It looking. show. It is, he's good exactly. looking. Exactly. This is bullshit. Wait, offered $50,000 to leave or to do something else? No, to, to be on standby for ABC. What? For they anything they might want to use him for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have the standby for actors, like for doctors? Why do I not know this? Yeah, yeah, you can you can get like a year's salary just to not do other work. Wow, how do I do that? <laughs> no, seriously, you have to like, look like Ken. God damn, be it. good, be good at something. I'm not good. I just talk to people that are good. Does that count? <laughs> Anyways, um, you seem to really be enjoying this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is you know uh, there was a fan that wrote somewhere. Uh, I feel like I'm watching someone who's finally finding his voice, mm -hmm. and I was like, thank you. You know, cause See, that's why you're different than Marin, because he would have taken that as an insult. Where were you the last fucking 20 years? Yeah, you, yeah, know, yeah. you took it. It's like, hey, that's nice. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually... I'm a friend of Mark's, so I, I feel like the two of... I, I feel very inspired by his experience yeah. as well. I feel like we've gone through something fairly... I mean, he's his podcast is much, much bigger than mine right now. Um, right now. <laughs> yeah. he's, getting, he's getting Carrot Top next week. It's very exciting. I'm very excited to listen. He's, gonna, he's going to attack Carrot Top. We I mean, got Shecky Green's ghost. To look after that. But, but no, I feel like, like 
I feel like podcasts have like like you know Showalter. I think he even said on Marin's podcast that he's like, look, I'm a guy that Hollywood is not too mm-hmm. terribly interested in. The talents that I have are kind of idiosyncratic, and they have very very generic or specific you know like archetypical types they're looking yeah. for. And I've never fit that, and I guess Show Showalter never quite has either. Uh, and Marin, and so it's like this internet sort of being able to do your own stuff and put it out there has just like given people a big burst, you know? Okay. And, 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 it, and it goes down to even just like pitching shows to net. No one just walks in and pitches a show to a network anymore. They're like, see, imbeciles? Here are our YouTube videos showing what we're talking yeah. about and people like them. But what about the fringe cable networks? There's, there's no interest from them either. <laughs> I'm completely serious. Like, okay, you answered the question with a laugh. I Fringe. Oh, oh like Al Gore's network? Yeah, I mean, seriously, like Current TV or like G4 or well, Spike. The thing about Risk right now is everyone keeps saying, oh my God, why aren't you doing TV? It's because TV is such a headache. Really? Yeah, it's just so, there's so, and also, a lot of people don't appreciate that one of the big differences between TV and radio, and especially for storytelling, is radio is can be extremely dynamic because the user has to use his imagination. Mm-hmm. Uh, the user, like, adds to, collaborates in the creation of the story. You're kind of in their ear, and it's... Like, the, uh, yeah, This American Life mm-hmm. did that Showtime thing, and they were like, this is a nightmare. They but- were like, people will not say the same things when a camera's on them, and you can't get the same art direction that you get out of people's imaginations. And I agree, but they approached it differently. So I really enjoyed the season finale of the first season of This American Life when they go to that hot dog stand in Chicago. They captured something that you can't get in audio. Mm. And there's probably so many risk stories where, um, like, let's say the Scholar Brothers story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's got to be some footage of them doing that oh, awful yeah. set. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. just 30 seconds of that would give it a completely new dimension. Now, I'm not saying every story should be on television. Yeah, yeah. But I think you guys would really work on, like, a PBS, actually. I mm-hmm. think there's, a, a, there's an, a giant NPR-loving uh, public radio, public television community that loves intellectualizing awful things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you run into FCC issues there. I think Sorry you can get around it. Litigious. I think you can get around it because I think your show would work on fine. Showtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I, like I, the green room with Paul Provenza. That could be a IFC? podcast. I oh, I'm sorry. Is that on IFC? No, I'm just saying IFC is doing great things. Let's right give you now, every yeah. network name and you just say nothing. <laughs> okay. We're just brothers? talking you into a corner. I apologize for that. No, 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 no. I, I, I do agree with you. Some people are starting to do animations mm-hmm. and live action little movies based on risk stories. Um, you can also do like reenactments of stuff. That'd you know? be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Can I ask you about that like person, like uh, how um, radio is such a personal medium, like uh, that must get people confused since you're putting so much of your personal life into the podcast, particularly recently. Like, does that ever get people get weird situations where people sort of think they know you better than they know you? you well, definitely that. Definitely fans will write to me as if they already know me, and it's a little bit creepy. Um, but also, I mean, I'm so new. Like, I've with the a couple of long form stories that I've mm-hmm. done for the first time recently. I have gotten, because in Risk, I started off telling stories that happened to me like 15 years ago. Funny things that happened to me, sexual situations and stuff like that. 
Lately, I've been telling these long form because I, I guess I've kind of run out yeah. of funny things that happened 15 years ago. So lately, I'm focusing on my current life, and and that's been a real like breaking through. Like that, that's been like it, it remains to be seen what will happen there. What I'm amazed with now is how the show seems to be shaping my life a little bit because all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I should really go start visit, you know, explore other parts of the world and start exploring my spirituality. Like, all of a sudden, I'm becoming much more adventurous because of my show. Did you ever do stand-up? I never did stand-up. And, and actually, it was Marin who, who terrified uh, me about stand-up. Mm-hmm. He's a In... welcoming guy, really. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I it that's... was... Uh, I used to I used to do stuff all the time at Luna Lounge yeah. uh, back in the glory days of alt comedy and everything. And I always did character monologues, and they always went over huge there. But... Um, uh, I, and when I watched guys like Marin do stand-up, I was always like, I don't think I can do that. Uh, w- one, because I thought it was terrifying to be opening yourself up like that, which I do now with storytelling. Yeah. So, so it was just denial. It was just avoidance. But as far as straight stand-up goes, as far as like the joke, 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 I, that I just don't... It, I love it. I enjoy yeah. watching it. I just can't imagine doing it every night because it's so in one ear and out the other. What I love about stories is there's a little bit more meat on the bones to hang on to, and you'll think about it the next day. You know what I mean? Whereas, I think like, the best stand-ups do that, though. Yeah, that's true. Marin like Carlin does. Or Carlin yeah. did that. Louis C.K. Like Richard Pryor. I mean, I feel like storytellers don't go around to like shitty open mics seven nights a week telling the same story. I would and disagree I that nowadays. What, I think there think are so? way too many shitty storytellers going to open mics seven nights a week these days. Saying yeah, the yeah, same the, story? Yeah, and they're altering it, which is good, and they need to work that out. And I think this is the time for storytellers more than ever, and also for stand-ups. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that... I think that- I am personally not in the habit of doing... You know, another reason I, I've just never done stand-up is pure laziness and fear. Um, <laughs> I just do not like the idea of being out late at bars every night. You okay, know? that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. But do you see the irony of being scared to be a certain type of performer when you're talking about sexual acts that that normal... No, sorry, I shouldn't say normal. <laughs> most people don't even consider or fathom? Yes. Well, the, there's a part of me doing risk, which is just a part of my natural person. My, I... I on the latest episode, there's a guy named Vince Gatton who's an actor, a friend of mine. And when we recorded his story just the other day, he said, you finally found your perfect thing, Kevin. You always were way too much of an oversharer. <laughs> there you go. And that, I mean, that's Marin's whole bit. Like, yeah. And that's why people love him. And I think that's why people like your show. They feel... What's the creepiest thing that's been sent to you or been offered to you? Well, the, the creepiest thing was early on, uh, uh, a couple of women came to us with stories that they clearly had not processed. You know, that they were like, that they, hadn't, that they weren't remembering clearly enough mm-hmm. or that they hadn't thought through enough. And while recording, I'm thinking, okay, you're presenting this as, as, if, as if it's funny, but what you're talking about is rape. You know what I mean, and oh so I did not. God. I did not run those stories. Um, yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Adam so- was obviously. I was a women's studies major, and that was almost every class. <laughs> and I'm not joking. Like that's that was every fucking day. We're just. I'm just trying really right now to unpack the history behind alternative comedy in this millennium. 
as opposed to the last millennium. Let can me I ask a, you? Can it, what? let me give him, let me give me like a few yeah. more risk questions really quick, and then we'll get to your her story about <laughs> about comedy. the millennium. Listen, the thing about the millennium <laughs> that I want to know is: Do creationists believe there's only been like eight millenniums, or do we go with the scientific <laughs> route? So stupid. What makes you laugh at home? Is there anything that uh, not storytelling wise? Is there any current group of comics that are like really doing something different? Oh, well, you know, I am, I have not been paying such close attention to what's going on in comedy. Uh, you know, I don't, and especially the more, the busier I get with Risk, the more like I'm kind of in my own little world. I've begun having to ask friends to bring people to me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you say you're busy with Risk. How many hours goes into Risk a week? Uh, well, it's become my full-time job. It's for great. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's not just Risk, but there's the Story Studio. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's many different... It's, it's a many-tentacled octopus at this point. And final question about Risk and storytelling, at least for me. Is there an appropriate timeline to write about something or to say something? We were ta- I was taught in uh, college 10 years. You need at least 10 years of uh, separation so you actually have a fully formed idea and thought and you're not just writing purely on emotion. Now, you're saying you're out of all of your old stories mm-hmm. and now you need to go and like travel the world and explore spirituality. Do you think that... Uh, do you are you actually out of ideas or do you think no. all the shocking ones are done and now you like you could explore like what it was like as a 14-year-old? Oh, absolutely. You can you can craft a story out of the tiniest moment. Mm-hmm. Um, people always come into the classes and they're like I'm afraid I don't have stories. I mean, I've got a gigantic list of just little phrases, associations throughout my whole past and I know that I can go back and keep working on lots of those. And there are stories that I think are so profound from my past that I I've just always avoided them because I'm like I don't know if I can handle that yet. Okay. Um but as for when is too soon, I mean, the P-Town story, uh, that was three days later when I recorded that. And that got a bigger response than anything we've ever done before. Okay. Yeah. So I really f- – and also, I felt like I was over that guy after pressing send on that episode. It was just like, whoa, that was hugely cathartic. All right. Yeah, so, it is, awesome. so it is okay for this to be therapy in a way. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm a little bit concerned about becoming more and more of a guru figure about this yeah. stuff. Like in the teaching, uh, I had a student who called me at one o'clock in the morning, no. very drunk, saying, good. I'm in love with you. Uh, and you, you know. said? And this was believe it or not. I, yeah, <laughs> again, Jola Trulio. No, believe it or not, here I am. I'm a comedian. I've studied improv. And my response was... Oh, I think we have a bad connection. <laughs> That's not cool, man. You shouldn't. Why are you playing games with their hearts like that? One of the reasons why I brought along these two gentlemen is because, um, well, 
Adam is a big fan of yours, and I'm a big fan. We yeah. actually are. He actually is interested in like the difference between alternative comedy now and when the state got on television. So, Adam, you wanted to ask something about the yeah, first. I mean, I just like a couple weeks ago, I watched what I rewatched Wet Hot, and I kind of realized that there's been like sort of a tonal shift in comedy. There was like you know in the '90s, you guys and a bunch of the other sketch groups that were out there. It was a lot of about surrealism and absurdism. Yeah, and I think that like with the Apatow and all those movies coming out nowadays is a lot more about hyper realism uh-huh. and there isn't as much like sort of psychedelia that's like brought into it uh-huh. and I just want to get your take on that because like I like uh, you brought me up like yeah, yeah, you yeah. raised me on is comedy when I was a kid that I brought him up yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> no, taught kind of kinky <laughs> oh man Brandon you're really pimping me out right now <laughs> no no I I you know, Tim, Tim and Eric yeah. are very surreal. I think that that's the kind of an exception. To yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. but also Tim and Eric on our fringe network that probably aren't, isn't even in every household that MTV was at when you guys were absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And I'm a huge fan of that as yeah, well. Yeah, they're yeah. great, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, I appreciate the intention of the Apatow stuff. Um, I'm not sure that I'm yet super impressed with it though i you know it's just so strange to to fit really original comedy into the into the system of of hollywood you know uh, to to make enough people with money happy with what you're doing to actually get it through the cracks um, you're kind of if we're talking about hyper realism isn't that your show as well though oh absolutely absolutely yeah. but you're not a comedy show it, well, exactly it, it's, it's, it's a strange line that we're straddling because okay. the main reason that most stories on risk have come from comedians is because most people I know are comedians and also most people don't know how to talk on a microphone in front of people well that's also true yeah 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 I, but I do hope that there are more and more people from different you know, walks of life that start doing mm-hmm. the show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you have anything else? Uh, it's just like, what's up with Jolo Truglia nowadays? <laughs> just went, I don't know why this has been such a callback, this whole interview. All right. Uh, one of the reasons why Peter's here is because Peter's been listening to us since the beginning, and he wanted to talk about, is it the retreat episode? Yeah, well, we we already kind of covered that just because you know the like what what brought you to that long story. Oh, the form. kink camp. Yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, like, and and I think you kind of already answered it because it was about like I was wondering whether going there you were like, well, at least it'll be a good story. Oh, exactly, right, exactly. exactly. Was it a Jewish kink camp? Or <laughs> I think I I went there when I was sixteen. It's amazing. I had no idea there are so many Jewish camps, but. but <laughs> Ah, very fine. Ah, yeah. Never heard that one before. I got a pitch for Risk. It's about Jewish summer camp. I was 13 years old. It was one of my earliest sexual experiences. All right. The moon was glistening. She was wearing puka shell necklaces. <laughs> uh, what was her name? I'm serious. Um, I can. Wait, can I? Yeah. Uh, her name was, last name her name was Rebecca. 
Okay. Uh, wow. it, she had a, she was a lot bigger than me too. <laughs> when you uh, say bigger, when you say bigger, do you mean like you hadn't gone through puberty yet? Oh man, like, I was like a late bloomer. Like I, I was telling you this before. Like in oh, at home, I was like nerd in like high school, but at Jewish summer camp, I was a Lothario well, for that's some. The thing. Yeah. yeah, when you go other places, that, that's why I do want to do more traveling and why the king camp <laughs> and the like th- people just act differently as far as all of those those boundary sorts of issues go when they're just outside of their town yeah how are you still that enthralled with sex? I'm completely serious. Haven't you seen everything? No, it is. It, it no, it totally fascinates me. That's why. why that's why I'm Mr. Polyamory guy. Even though I hate that word, and the reason I hate it is because there's too many syllables. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you have beef with Savage? Do you guys like? Oh no, not at all. I, I don't know. I don't know Dan Savage, but no, we're on the the exact same page on yeah, that issue. It's very similar. Um, uh, but no, the reason that I love that I promote the idea of having a variety of partners is because it never ceases to amaze me. I'll be like, damn, the energy I've got with this dude I've never experienced with anyone before. Like, like it's constantly a new thing I'm discovering. Just the little nuances of how two people have different chemistries together. Yeah, we're different people. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just last night, he was... He wouldn't tell me his age. Okay. Uh, what, were, what would you guess? I would guess. 14. I, no, no, no. I would, I would guess late 50s. Okay. Uh, now, normally I like younger guys, but uh-huh. the thing about my whole like Asian fetish thing is they tend to look younger no matter how old they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why Asian? I don't get it. Well, A, the, the, what I just because said. Because they age well? Is that the only reason? But if you're going to have so many partners, who cares? No, I don't know what it is. I don't know. It, it, but as, far as, as far as ethnicities go, I've gone through... Well, there was a funny thing. Uh, Black, Michael Black, when we were back at MTV, someone had left a pie chart. One of the executives uh-huh. had left a pie chart showing how many viewers do this, how many viewers... And Black erased what was going on in the pie chart and left it with just a line down the middle and put uh, Puerto Rican and Asian (laughs) and made the pie chart what Kevin wakes up next to. (laughs) Um, But no, as as far as the ethnic thing is, I mean, I come from Cincinnati, Ohio, where everyone is just super, super white and Republican. I thought they were uh, full of race riots in Cincinnati. Well, yeah, down by the river. Yeah. But no one goes there. Oh, I I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, I'm from white flight uh, uh, neighborhoods. Got it. Um, Have you done the show in Cincinnati? No, and in fact, I'm being featured in City. Yeah. Uh, this today. Are you excited or worried about that? I'm a little worried about it because my parents are just very, very um, terrified. Like, I would get phone calls and letters every week when the state was on TV about what a horrible thing it was that we were including religious or sexual content on also, the Also, I mean, I feel like the some of the sketches you did, like the Jew, the Italian, and the red-headed gay, one of my favorite sketches, um, you were actually gay Playing a gay character that was at the time, I feel like that was pretty. It was kind of radical, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And when and and shortly after that, I guess doing that out and the advocate asked me to to talk to them and and my mom was just like, just 
not happy at all. <laughs> I'm assuming they don't listen to the show. They do not, and and thank God because because it was the last solo show I did was called F Up uh, uh-huh. F asterisk 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 up. And my mom just like for she still gets upset at me that I, I suggested that word in there. So they know that risk risk exists, but me being in my forties, they're like, oh my god, he's doing something that he claims is successful, and he promises that one day he'll create a family friendly podcast as well. Wait, what? <laughs> really? Are you serious? Well, I I entertain that idea because of the whole idea that all podcasts are doing this networking thing. Like, oh, here's our other show. And it would be wise with the story studio. I mean, the thing about the story studio is corporations and whatever are a little maybe leery of working with the people who put out Kevin Goes to Kink Camp, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but people actually download and listen to that. Yeah, that's yeah, the difference that's between most of these podcasts. That's true. Present company included. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, was Scott Thompson a big influence on you? No. I mean, I I've met Scott, and I I think he's a great guy and very talented. And I'm not trying to pigeonhole. We just talked about being an openly gay character on television. That's the only other guy I could even think of. In yeah, yeah. Five, from that yeah. same time. Yeah, I never liked that Buddy Cole character. Was really? the whole thing? I yeah, love yeah, the Buddy yeah. Cole character. Um. Just because I thought, like, well, maybe I was just defensive about it because I've never done gay in a in all that a stereotypical way. I, I mean, the Jew, the Italian, and the redhead gay is stereotypical, but yeah. it that's the point. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's why he was doing his. I guess so. I guess so. But he was really getting a lot of laughs that are just very, very, like... I don't know, just like Pat Hackneyed kind of gay Guy in a dress. style. Guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. It's. It's. I guess it's kind of ghettoized style gay comedy. You know what I mean? Is it ghettoized if it's from Toronto? I'm serious. I mean, they weren't in New York City. They were in a, a relatively small town oh, when yeah, they yeah, were yeah, doing yeah. it. So maybe that is not the ghetto version of yeah. it. That's true. I don't yeah, know. yeah, that's true. I mean, you are in fucking New York City. Everything to you guys is already boring by the time it even hits most of the rest of the country. True. I mean, at the time, that was ballsy of him yeah. to be putting that out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is there anyone you want to be working with right now that you haven't met yet? You, well, there are a lot of wonderful comedians that I maybe vaguely know, you know, like okay. have said hello, like yeah. Patton Oswald or yeah. Louis C.K. or... Um, or um, but they all know you and vice yeah, they versa. know of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess it's more. I guess it's more. Some of the people like Dan Savage, for okay. example, yeah. that I'd love to have on the show. Yeah. You should have him on the show. Definitely, that's my idea. So. <laughs> you should have Katy Perry on the show. Yeah, you should have Katy Perry on the show. Oh yeah. 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 Why? I don't know. <laughs> it's like it's incredibly subversive music. It's like no, it is. It is. It's like highly sexualized, but it's bubblegum pop for like twelve year olds. It was like I'm gonna get blackout and fuck some guy that I had not even remember it. Which is like most of your episodes. That's what all that's what all of her songs are. It's that's my philosophy. It's ridiculous. It's like I was talking to my little sister about it. She was like she's like, Yeah, it's like you don't realize that Katy Perry is like a whore and I was like, No. That's I don't believe that. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, she's not a podcast. Whore. Whore. I mean also whore. 
one of the good things about shows like yours is you're kind of demystifying this idea of slut and whore and all that stuff. Yeah. It's very important. Do you get any... Sex positive. It is yeah. sex positive. Do you yeah. get any flag from like Christian groups or anything like that? Not yet. Not Ooh, yet. Ooh, that's how you know, you know. You yeah, exactly. It. Any interest in NPR? Uh, yeah. In fact, we've been talking about creating these... What do they call it? PRX, PRX. packages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like cleaning up some of our stuff and making it available that yeah. way. Yeah. Do you feel like that would change anything in the show, or, or it's okay because you have such a large catalog at this point, you would have more than enough material and not suffer? The latter. I, I, think, that, I think that we can always let risk be risk, but we can put parts of it out there in, you know, because Marin does that too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I haven't listened to the PRX show. I'm kind of afraid to. Yeah. I want the long form where yeah, yeah. there's like anger for no reason. That's my kind of show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What is, um, you know, you've been um, doing like a big sort of fundraising campaign recently. Like, mm-hmm. what, like how's it going and what's the next step? It's, it's going pretty well. It, you know, it, it's, it's difficult because at, at times it's hard to know exactly how big our audience is. Mm-hmm. You know, I Absolutely. mean, it's still a podcasting a, problem. Yeah, it's still a little confusing. I mean, but it's, it's actually less confusing than regular radio oh, yeah. in many ways. Yeah. But regular radio is easy to lie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. And the difference between uh, casually listening and actually listening, you don't have any casual listeners. Yeah. Which people don't understand for yeah. the most part. I mean, if you're not in the industry, those terms don't even make sense to most people. Right. Anyways, what about books? Do you have any interest in writing? I was supposed to. I was supposed to write a book. <laughs> oh, are we interrupting? Is that <laughs> right? I was supposed to be writing it right now. No, um, and uh, this a- agent was very interested in me writing a book about my time in the state, and I was a, a little bit afraid of it for a few reasons. One, I don't feel like I'm the protagonist of that story. You know, I feel like, oh God. Uh, Will I be, seem like an observer? You know, because the group the group was such a monster that sometimes you could get lost in it. Especially me, I was a real like loner and floater in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I'm like I don't. I, I this might sound ridiculous, but I, a lot of it I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, we were pretty gone a lot of the time. <laughs> Are you weary of performers that don't imbibe in anything? Weary? Well, a couple of members of the state. Like, like one of the reasons it's been Joe? so much. F- no, not sorry. No. <laughs> sorry, Adam. I'm a big fan of Joe. Really. <laughs> um. Like Black, one of the yeah. reasons Black, it's been fun having him tell stories on the show is because all the time we were at MTV, he liked nothing. Yeah. And David, too. Uh, David didn't start drinking until around the Stella years, like little bit, you know, and a, mar- a martini here or there. Um, Even what yeah. he drank was pretentious. Jesus yeah, exactly. Christ. Well, oh, <laughs> no, wait, not, I don't think David. Even what he drank is pretentious. <laughs> what is your thing with David? pretentious of all this stuff. Martini. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> And well, you, you agreed instantly, too. <laughs> <laughs> Pretentious in that name, and you just said, yes. What? No, 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 no. This is another question, settling sort of a debate amongst my group of friends. How much was Monty Python an influence on you oh, guys? Oh, huge, huge. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, you hear were, that, Phil? <laughs> there were three main influences. One was Jim Henson. Because we all grew up with the Muppets really? and Sesame Street. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Is that why yeah. you guys had so many people in the group, maybe? <laughs> no, Which you know, Muppet the, were you? Like, the, oh, well, I always loved Grover. I was very, <laughs> like, I had a crush on Grover. Um, but 
Adam kind of looks like Grover. <laughs> no, <can> he? <laughs> he's trying to. He's um, trying to. But Python, yeah. uh, like a lot of us, like especially me and Ben, like remembered like when we first, like I was seven, I remember, and my brothers, they, they, they like the week before they had like been watching The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly at like midnight on yeah. TV, and I walked down and I heard that theme music and I was like, oh no, this is going to be scary, and I was afraid, so I went to bed. Then a week later, it's midnight again, and there's this thing, the Holy Grail, on. And I, I creep down, and scary music starts yeah. at the beginning of yeah, the music. Yeah, and, the I was, and, oh, and then uh, Saturday Night Live. The, the yeah. 70s Saturday Night Live. I think most of us like kind of started dropping off after the first cast. It's <laughs> really interesting. Yeah, but when, but when we were like six, seven, eight, like we were sneaking downstairs to watch Saturday Night Live in the early days. Do you think that uh, group experience, even though you guys met at college, will ever happen again since everything right now is kind of like on demand? Uh, is there going to be one film that inspires like 12 people or 10 people to get together and form one group? Or is that even possible? Really? You mean, you mean with the state specifically? No, with any comedy group. Oh, Everyone's God. influences now are just uniquely their own because we're not all watching the same show. Yeah, yeah, no. That I think that that's a very, very interesting point. Yeah, that, that it's become really weird the way that the the whole nation, like, no one has the same frame of references anymore. Exactly. Yeah, um, I uh, think that's why personal stories are so successful now. Yeah, we don't have to use pop culture to reference what we mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got we got too hippieish right in there in that sentence. I apologize. No, no, yeah, well, you're gonna you know. cut that in post. I will cut that definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like we thought something <laughs> any final words of advice for up and coming storytellers up and coming podcasters up and coming sketch and improv performers well i think that the main thing to do is to not be like i don't shy away like keep trying stuff keep putting stuff out there publicly on a regular basis fail in public exactly yeah why why fail in public why not try to hone at home uh, well, because the the experience of failing in public will get you to the point where you realize, oh, it's okay not to be perfect all the time. And unless until you learn that, you're not going to be, tr- you know, do, taking enough risks on a regular basis in front of people. Fair enough. Yeah. We end every interview, and I remember the book from the book of questions, Love and Sex by Gregory. Stock, I have PhD. that. Isn't I it just an awful it. book? It's an awful. Get the it's book so of questions. Bad. <laughs> this is the second book we've been doing on the show uh, we started with the book of questions for kids which my mother bought for me when i was like eight and we went through every question and that's a very good book for guests uh-huh this book is awful <laughs> okay the wording is so bad so i, I haven't actually like uh, cracked it open yet. oh it's fun pick a number between 21 and 243 okay uh 240 <laughs> oh, great. we retire each question that's why oh you very get to good. keep it yeah you get to keep it 240 was taken 241. If your partner had a fatal heart attack tonight, what would you most regret not having done together? When do you think you will actually get around to doing those things? God. Um, well, I don't have a partner right now. Last partner. Um, gosh. What do you regret not doing with your last partner? Um... Well, vacation. We didn't do enough adventuring together. You know what there I mean? Like, like, like in the nine years we were together, I think we like 
spent some time out of town together like once. Aww. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think that actually trying new things together is probably really fun. That's really good advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So PG too. Yeah. <laughs> really. Especially for you. I was expecting something really gory. Well, also fisting. There we go. You didn't do fisting or you did do fisting and you regret not doing more fisting? (laughs) No, we didn't. Yeah, what's the fisting ratio? Have you ever done any fisting? I have not, but I have been contacted (laughs) by a man on Manhunt. I was he was asking me if I was available tonight to uh, for him to initiate me. So what would you what are you thinking? Well, I said it's a possibility. I said I'm very new. Is that why you like like Asians? Because they have small hands (laughs) (laughs) and supple, small and supple. Thanks for doing this. Follow us on Twitter at YMTE. Friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash YouMeThemEverybody. And for details on Monday and Tuesday nights at The Hungry Brain, go to YouMeThemEverybody.com.